The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Hapsent Minded. My name is Jared Book. It's been a while. It feels like it's been a long time. Joining me today, we have Patrick Bexell and Julian McKenzie. Patrick, we'll start with you. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. I'm just back from a Pokemon raid. So yeah, that's what I do now this summer, trying to get some exercise in. Uh, I'm getting up to that level where I need to exercise a little bit more than I did when I was young and consider what I'm eating. So Pokemon has been a, a good way of forcing me outside and, and doing that. Otherwise, I'm good. I'm, I'm looking forward to some hockey in a few weeks' time. Yeah, it's it's cra- It's still crazy to think about. We're, we're doing this podcast, and, and it still feels kind of crazy. Uh, Julian, how are you? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, I still can't believe we're talking about actual hockey games that <laughs> could be played in July and August. If I feel like right now we should be talking about like a like a no name or third liner being signed by Mark Bergevin, but like with the pandemic kind of throwing everything out of whack, it's it's just been really surreal. But uh, I'm I'm trying to get back into the flow of things with uh, the NHL coming back. I have to say though that you know um, hockey in August is is you know that's what happens in in Europe. Hey, if the Canadians play deep into August. I don't think you'll hear anybody complaining. No, <laughs> except At for all. for the ones that want the first draft. Uh, first <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, draft yeah. Draft. <laughs> those those people will complain. Majority. Silent minority, I guess. Maybe not majority, but or, yeah, it, it's a very vocal minority. I think uh, of people who are yeah cheering for. Okay, but but, but guys, yeah. okay, let, let's speculate a little bit. Um, oh boy, Stanley Cup losing the Stanley Cup final, getting the first overall. Like, losing Stanley Cup final. Lose it. Yeah. Wow. Like, Absolutely. If you get to the Stanley Cup final, you have a 50% chance of winning the cup. If they lose in the first round. Yeah, but if you know you're going to lose, you might as well go for the – it's one thing. If, if Patrick had said, go to the Stanley Cup final and go up against getting the number one overall pick, if you know you're going to lose, you might as well lose and get the number one overall pick. Yeah. If you know you're going to lose, what's the point? Who's going to remember who loses in the final? Congrats, you went all the way to the final. You don't get anything special out of it. Maybe we get some memories, I guess, but get the number one overall pick. If you have a chance to win, if you have a chance, if you are said, if, if Pat said, okay, go to the Stanley Cup final and you have a chance, then you're like, well, come on, go to the Stanley Cup final. That's the goal for everyone. But if you already know you're going to lose, what's the point? Yeah, I, I guess if you know you're going to win the lottery, then you say the first overall pick. Yeah, but if you say That's if you fair. say you don't know if you're in the lottery. Yeah, if you say get to the Stanley Cup final or have a chance in the lottery, I think I think the Stanley Cup final is what you you say. Well, I mean, just off of what I've seen of of Lafreniere, I'm not going to act like I'm a scout who's seen him play all these games in the queue. But 
it sure seems as if he has like game breaking capabilities and the Canadians could use a game breaker. I mean, they, they have a bunch of, for, for, for years, the issue with the Montreal Canadiens has been, they have a good collection of forwards and, you know, you have guys who are able to play up and down the lineup, but if you put some of these guys on other teams, there may be good depth forwards. And that's not to say that Alexi Lafreniere is going to come in and and be the greatest first-line player this team has ever seen. But if he is capable of being a top-six player right away who can provide an impact, that feels a, te- that feels a need that any team in the National Hockey League would, would kill for. For, 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 me, for me, the interesting thing with, with the draft really is that SHL and Liga will start according to plans without any crowd in the arenas. Uh, but what happens with if, if Lundell, Holtz, or, or Raymond goes on a spree? Will that affect the last ranking? Obviously, it will. How much will you adapt to that? Um, the, the DEL, the, the German League, has said they're waiting until after the draft to start the season. Uh, it's the same with many of the other leagues. So, so, so this is really interesting. There are three top 10 prospects, more or less, that will be able to play those two months up to the draft. And they can really change that draft order. I don't, I, I don't, they will not change from Lafreniere, but they can impact that three to, to 10 spot for sure. And that will affect whomever. Montreal picks at number nine if that's where Montreal would pick. And to go to Patrick's point, it's really interesting because we don't, we don't know who's drafting number one, right? And we know who's drafting mm-hmm. two to eight right now. And, and the funny thing is, is that those those teams, they have all this time until October to go over those those rankings and those players and and make basically their draft list. And to your point, how much will they change that come September? Drafting number nine is is kind of an advantage because you can kind of adjust to the other teams around you as opposed to having, you know, three months of your list in, in stone. And, and we know that um you know national hockey team national hockey league teams, uh either they're too too slow to change or too quick to change. And and I do wonder what impact that'll have. And I, and I think this draft is going to be unpredictable anyway. That's just one more layer of unpredictability uh, in this draft. I think it's going to be um, a lot of fun um, in October. I, I think we're going to see names come off the board in really random spots. And um, that's actually a really good segue. Uh, because speaking of names coming off the board in random spots, that was Alexander Romanov. Uh, just a few years ago, and now he is officially a member of the Montreal Canadiens, <laughs> just like Patrick said all along. Um, <laughs> but honestly, uh, there, there are a lot of issues to get into play. Uh, I don't know if the team even knows if he's eligible to play um, in the exhibition game. We don't even know if he'll be in Montreal or in Toronto by the time that the exhibition game comes in July 28th. But at this point, it's just good to get him in to the fold, into the team. And, you know, yes, you're looking at this series against the Penguins, but, you know, you always have one eye on 2020, 2021. That's a lot of 20s. Uh, but 
2020-2021 season, and you know that Romanov is going to be there. Yeah, I mean, Andrew and I spoke about it on the last pod, and I, I think we, we were discussing this, if he should go to KHL or if he goes to, to, to NLA or, or anything. Now he has a KHL out clause, which... But Montreal can still grab him back if, if they need it due to injuries or anything else. I don't think he will ever be using that clause. I don't see him going to AHL unless it's because of an injury or something. And God forbid that happens. Uh, but yeah, I think, as I, spent, as I said in that podcast, that I think that it's very good to get Alexander Romanov over into the dressing room. He's a great character. He, he's easier to speak with. He has an easy laugh. Uh, but his English is good. But there is room for improvement. And that's where you're going to get that. Um, there will be a lot of smiles. We saw Lekanen and, and uh, uh, Gallagher yesterday. And, and Romano has the same kind of smile. So I think it would be great to see him joining the team, even if it's only for, for skating purposes and, and, and all that. But Getting a feel for Montreal, getting a feel for the team and, and bettering his English is, is going to make a huge difference for that 2021 season. Yeah, I, I agree with Pat. I, I think any opportunity for him to kind of be around the, the crop of guys that are there and to get a feel for the organization, even if he's not going to be in a position where he's going to play right away, it's going to do nothing but help uh, a guy like Romanov who will be coming over to North America and obviously we'll have to get adjusted to, to being in a new city, being in a new environment. So I, I think for Romanov, uh, he's not – I don't know if he'll play in the exhibition game or not as of yet, but I, I think a guy like him, if he's able to still be a part of the bubble, that's going to benefit him. I'm still just really curious about what's going to come uh, when the the playoffs start, the qualifier series and all that starts, and, and everything after that. I mean, uh, if it's possible that we see some kind of – camp for for young players to come out of it or what else he's going to do on his own time that is what intrigues me the most about Romanov I want to see uh what they'll do and and I mean like guys like him and a uh, Kapril Karizov and uh Kaprizov in, in Minnesota are in the same boat but these guys who are not going to be available to play in the uh the playoffs next month but uh, are going to have to find a way to skate or going to have to find a way to stay in shape I'm really curious what's going to happen with those guys I think it's really interesting as well, Julian. I think you're on to something. And, and for me, is that KHL clause, let's say Montreal goes out uh, against the Penguins. Romano hasn't played since, was it the 8th of March? Uh, and he played three and three minutes, 50 seconds in, in, in the last game on, on the knock, first knockout series in, in the Gagarin Cup playoffs. Um, and then... The season starts at the 1st of December, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's nine months of, of, of you know, vacation time or, or, or practicing on your, without playing a game. And I think, would you assign him to KHL? Would Seska take him? Uh, that is the, the interesting. Give him another month in, in Moscow at that time. How how does it look pandemic wise? Does he have to be in quarantine? Does he have you know? It's all those. It, it's layer after layer. But but there isn't. I like that in a KHL clause just for that reason. Can he go back and play? Would Seska play him? Uh, and and uh, would it benefit Montreal? You know this this is this is really interesting, and I think it's a smart thing to add as well. 
and and if you can get a working relationship with Seska, it's it's not a bad thing to to have for the future. And I think as we mentioned, um, otherwise that the the having the contract signed, losing a year is not a big deal. You you show PRYs for for other Russian players that if you if you play your cards right, we're going to grab you and you're going to get paid. And in this case, also it gives Romanov the chance to. In Montreal to to uh, negotiate without actually being um, having a chance to get an offer sheet from another team because I know uh, having spoken to a lot of scouts in in the international tournaments that I've attended about Romanov and and other teams have been calling Bergevin all day long in regards to Romanov. Yeah, I think the KHL cause clause is, is is important just for both sides to feel comfortable, right? I, I mean, the the most recent example is Vitaly Kravtsov with the Rangers. The, the thing with the AHL assignment in his case is that the, it's a lot different going to Laval hmm. than going to Hartford, especially when you're when you're in New York City, right? Going from from New York City playing for the Rangers to Hartford is a little bit different than going from Montreal to Laval. And I think that's an advantage that Montreal has, where if you say, if let's say the AHL season starts early, earlier than the NHL season, you can say, hey, listen, move into your place, get settled, play these games for a little bit. Once training camp starts, you'll be back in the NHL and and everything will be fine. But Romanov is not alone in this, right? I I mean, the the Canadians have a bunch of prospects from Arsene Hisamutinov, uh, is coming over from Russia this year for the first time. Uh, Cam Hillis, Ye- uh, Jesse Ullinen. Th- there's a lot of players. Uh, Joel, Joel Teasdale is is another one that hasn't played all year because of injury and, and was just about to come back before the, the season ended. There's a lot of prospects, and not, and not Montreal's not alone in this, that not just the junior players who don't know if their junior season's going to start, not only the college players who don't know if their college season is going to start, but you have all these AHL players who don't know if their season is going to start. Guys like, you know, Canadians have four goalies in camp, including uh, Keaton Primo, Michael McNiven, Charlie Lindgren. Odds are they're not going to be playing in games Yeah, I'm- between now and the end of the season, right? So it, 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 there's a lot of prospects. I mean, you, you have seven teams in the NHL who are not playing any games and not having any camps right now. So there's going to be a, a need to play. You have a draft coming up. You want to see those prospects uh, in development camps. I, I guarantee you there's going to be some kind of hockey starting in either August or September, going into October, especially if there's delays with North American seasons. In Europe, I think you can kind of leave the, the prospects that are not signed in Europe and, and have them play. But but then it comes a question that uh, what do you do with the guys that have contracts? Do you leave them there for uh, a loan? Do you, do you have them come over? My my impression and my opinion, what I would do if it was me, I, I would have them come over. I would organize some kind of skating camps, and you know the Canadians are going to have enough prospects to have scrimmages. And you're you're not far from Ottawa. You're not far from Toronto. You can kind of get those guys involved and have like little rookie tournaments. I, I think that's going to be the path forward for these teams come September, October, uh, especially the teams that are uh, out of the playoffs early, out of the play-ins early. Yeah, what's stopping them from uh, from putting together like uh, 
elaborated mini camps just to kind of get themselves going, right? And for a guy like, just to bring it back to the initial point, for a guy like Romanov, any opportunity for him to just kind of stay in shape and get adjusted and acclimatize it to everything, it's it's going to help him. So I, I think for, for guys like him and Joel Teasdale, a guy who unfortunately got injured at the beginning of the year and a guy not a lot of people are thinking about right now, it's going to it's going to help them out. I think that's I don't think that's a bad idea at all. To be honest with you, I'm just curious for for Canadian teams. It might be a little easier with how they've been able to handle the coronavirus. I'm just curious more about American markets with getting all their players together uh, to make that work. Yeah, and then obviously, as you mentioned, Jared, with with Europeans that are signed, you can't bring them over. Uh, you can bring them over for camp, but obviously that will hamper the season. But you can't bring them over for the team because. Actually, as of in in one and a half hours, it's past uh, 15th of July, which means that a European uh, you have to take the European player in this one and a half or one minute, one hour and 17 minutes to go. Uh, So, so it's a little bit different in that regard. We saw it with with uh, Detroit Red Wings that signed uh, Greve. um, on Monday and assigned him to the junior league in OHL. Uh, and I think, you know, you need to do this. You ha- even with the coronavirus and even with everything that's going on, there are contracts already signed with uh, NHL and the European counterparts, and those are not going to be changed. Yeah, to, to be clear, when, when I said prospects were assigned, I meant guys like, like Ulanin, uh, Hisamutanov, Europeans who are signed mm-hmm. to NHL contracts, not, not Europeans who are signed to European. I mean, those guys, you can just keep them there. There's no issue with them. Obviously, you would like to have them over for a development camp um, like, like the Canadians have had in the summer. But, you know, if their season starts, you leave them there and, and kind of forget about them. I, I don't think, I mean, you have seen guys like, like Kotkaniemi went back and forth, right? He came to develop the development camp. Then he went back to Finland for preseason and then came back for a rookie camp. Um, I, I don't think, uh, obviously, he also had an NHL contract, was a first round pick, different story there. But but I think you can leave guys like um, Yoni Ikinen as an example. Uh, you you can leave him <laughs> where he is and, and not worry about bringing him over. Um, same thing with guys that you draft in October. I mean, there, I, I, there's probably going to have to be some kind of um, you know guys who you draft in the first round will be able to be brought over, I guess. But there's there's a lot of uh, backroom dealing that's going to have to be done because if you know you mentioned guys like Raymond and Holtz and. You know, Tim Stutzel as well is is kind of a guy whose future is up in the air right I think now. That, I think that DL solved it by not starting their season. So I think uh, I think yeah. Stutzel will, will go. And uh, if you have listened to 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 um, my podcast about Tim Stutzel with his coach, the coaches that you know they don't trust the German team to develop him for another year. So they're already counting him out of the season. Uh, and I think they solved it. I think the, it's the same with the uh, Swiss League. They'll probably wait until after the draft. But, but yeah, I think Finland and Sweden will start. That's for sure. KHL will start. We saw. We have yeah. seen that the uh, Dynamo Riga and uh, Kulman Red Star will be playing their games in, in their home games in Russia. And uh, it's expected that uh, Jokerit of Finland will do the same. And thereby forcing everyone into to the um, former Soviet Republic or, or, or etc., and and thereby controlling the coronavirus because everyone will be in the same kind of bubble, I guess. 
but but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's it, it will be it will be going down to the SHL and the and the Finnish Liga uh, and see what happens there, and that means that there are three players more or less that that you will look into uh, that can maybe come over. I know Raymond in an article here in, in the Gothenburg Post by Juan Rolander said that I want to stay here this year and he's been placed next to Joel Lundqvist, the captain of Frelunda and Henrik's brother. Uh, he has NHL experience, obviously. Uh, Raymond will play on the first power play unit most likely as well. And uh, he said something very, very interesting in regards to Kaprizov and Romanov that uh, he was very happy to struggle last year because if you don't struggle growing up, you, it will hit you harder when you finally do struggle. And he wanted it to come when he was surrounded by by, by friends, family, and, and good people around him that he trusted. So now he's prepared to maybe fail another time, but he knows how to deal with it. And then that's a mature way of looking at it. And that's probably what what uh, perhaps uh, that he that he went back to Russia. Because everything has been going on a rail until that second, and, and it gives you a chance to go home, talk to your family, uh, relax a little bit, find yourself, and then come back. And if, if you've already dealt with that, a little bit of a setback, I think it's it's good. Um, I don't know what Holtz will do. I haven't seen anything about that. But Raymond wants to stay in Sweden for this year, and I have the feeling that Lundell would want that as well. Yeah, I mean... It's really not that big of a a question because if you look at the 2019 draft, the only players to play more than eight games in the NHL this season were Jack Hughes, Capococco, Kirby Doc. So your top three picks. That's it. Those are the only three guys. Vili Hainala played eight games uh, for Winnipeg before being sent back. Uh, Bjornfoot played three games with the Kings. Uh, you had Moritz Sider who signed with Detroit and came over to the AHL this season. But for 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 the most part, these guys wouldn't come over anyway. So you, really, you, the only team that really would look into this and be like, oh, are we going to get a guy for this year or not, would maybe be Ottawa at three, where they, you know, may, they might be drafting a guy, you know, maybe not Raymond who will come over. Obviously, they have the fifth pick as well, so they can kind of, they, they have a, a luxury there where they can, you know, have maybe a guy at three who they pick up for this year, uh, and then you know pick a guy or, or the other way around, right? Pick Raymond at three, and then pick someone like Rossi or Perfetti who you can sign at five. Um, there's a lot of different options, obviously, but I, I think that you know for the most part, it's not really something that's going to affect this season uh, for for the non-drafted prospects. What what it's going to affect are guys like Romanov, Ulanin, uh in, in Montreal's perspective, who. Or even a guy like Cole Caulfield, who you know you wanted to play hockey, and you know they were going to send him back to University of Wisconsin. What happens if the NCAA season is delayed or or not or not there? It really depends on what you want to do with a guy like Caulfield, and you might have to sign him for 2020, 2021, have him play in the AHL. If he's not going to play in the NCAA anyway, what do you have to lose? Yeah, it really depends on when the NCAA puts a shutdown to, right. to its season, right? If it gets to that point, I remember we're kind of talking about that anecdotally a little earlier today. Like if it gets to a point where they they do it, like now, for example, are you able to be in a position where you could sign him 
and also find a way to sneak him on your – I don't think there's a way you can bring him onto the bubble at this point, but I like just kind of have him around. I'm not sure what you could do with a guy like Cole Caulfield. But, yeah, there are a whole bunch of young players who are, who are in a position where they there's not really much you can really do unless the league or, or the teams themselves kind of set something up. Yeah, and I think that – you know I don't think they'd sign him like Romanov uh, for, for, an, for an burning year. I don't think the urgency is there for that, but I do think that there could be, depending on what. And again, this is all depending on what happens with the CHL, what happens with the NCAA. If their seasons go on as normal, you can kind of forget what I'm saying because there's no issue. Uh, but there obviously are reasons to doubt that anything will yeah. go on as normal no. <laughs> at this point. Uh, so um, I just want to make that clear. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. And speaking, you know, moving moving on a little bit. Um, Trading camp has now – we are Wednesday right now, and there's been three days of training camp, and there have been no changes to the lineup other than, you know, players uh, – Shea Weber missed Tuesday's practice, uh, was back for Wednesday. And the, the lineups are, are kind of intriguing in that it's kind of familiar, but at the same time, uh, there's, there's, face, there's names that aren't usually around there. And – you know, yes, you have your Tatar Dano Gallagher line. Then you have Juan Suzuki Armia, because you know obviously Max Domi is not uh, in camp as of yet. Uh, then Paul Byron, Yasperi Kutkiniemi, Arturi Lekkinen, and then you have uh, Dale Weiss, Jordan Wheel, Jake Evans, and then Paling Houdon, Belzil Dauphin um, as your kind of uh, fifth line. Can this team expect to? do something against the Penguins? What, what do you guys uh, think about it? I guess we'll start there. For me, it all comes down to price. It's, it's going to be there. If, if he stands on, on the shoulders of Jaroslav Halak, more or less, like that fantastic uh, 2010 playoff run uh, that you wrote about, Julian, it, it was amazing to read. Uh, but if you consider that, uh, he, we need something similar to that in order to bypass the, the Penguins. That's what I see. Oh, well, another year where the Montreal Canadiens might have to rely on their goaltending to, to get them out of a jam. I mean, let's let's be real here. Carey Price, where Carey Price goes, the team goes. He's obviously going to be looked at as the top guy to to kind of bring this team into other series. I mean, if, if Carey Price is on his game, I think all bets are off with the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially if they're in a position where a good chunk of their guys are, are on on their training camp roster anyway have oh, had to, you know, miss the start of, of their training camp because of COVID-19 concerns. Uh, what I'm also just curious about is where Max Domi is going to end up fitting in all of this if he decides to come back. You have the Joanne Suzuki Armia line. I think it would be cool to see Suzuki as a second line player. He's played, you know, like a, a guy who can play on second or third throughout the year. Uh, but I'm curious if Max Domi is able to come back. He's probably he might just slot in that second line and you bump Suzuki down to to a third line role. And or maybe you move KK to well no, I think you should keep KK at center, but a whole melange of things are gonna end up happening. You may have to move Jordan Wheel elsewhere. But it, it, I think with me, the big key is just seeing where Max Domi is just going to fit in all this. He's probably, I think, I could see him in a situation where he ends up playing uh, a second or a third line spot, to be honest. It just, I think, just to have a position where you have your, your second line be strong and have them go up against a, a line with Evgeny Malkin. I mean, I think matchups are the second thing that's going to have to be looked at as well. This is the Pittsburgh Penguins team 
that has veterans that are able to that are expecting to go on a deep run. And we all know about Sidney Crosby and it wouldn't surprise me to see uh, Phil Deneau go up against him on a lot of faceoffs and a lot of matchups. But who is going to be that center that's going to go up against Evgeny Malkin? I mean, you can't. I don't see Suzuki being the guy. I think Kokanyemi going up against Evgeny Malkin might just be throwing a, a sheep to the wolves. I think Max Domi might end up drying that straw, that short straw, quote unquote, and might end up being the guy to go up against Evgeny Malkin if he plays. And if not, then you're going to have to go up with one of your younger guys to go against him. I think that matchup of who's going to go up against Evgeny Malkin, that is going to be another storyline that we're going to have to look at. Yeah, and and not to draw too many parallels to 2010 because yeah. I, I, I different team, different year. Yes, they're playing Pittsburgh, but you know you, you had that first in 2010. You had Thomas Placanitz, who was the the guy who kind of got those most of those defensive responsibilities. But on that team, you also had Scott Gomez uh, playing with Brian Gianta, who was d- defensively responsible. You had uh, Dominic Moore, who was you know centering that, that fourth line. You had Maxime Lapierre, g- guys who were able to to play those kind of roles. And and let, let's be honest, th- this Canadians team is not built was not built to go up against the Penguins in a series. At the trade deadline, they were not expecting to have to go into the playoffs. Let's be realistic here. And, and I think one of the things that I find interesting is that it's a best out of five series. It's it mm-hmm. opens up a little bit more for for uh, surprises, which would benefit Montreal. Another thing that we've seen in the Bundesliga, in uh, in the Premier League, and even in La Liga, uh, when sports came back, was that home ice advantage wasn't really that strong because the crowd wasn't in it. Who can adjust to that? Will it be more of an even series or will it just separate the teams even further? Um, it it was pointed out in, in the 80s and I tried to look a little bit at it in, in the SHL as well. In, in best out of five series in the 80s in NHL, uh, the, game, the, the team that won the first game won the, the, the series, was it 85, 90% of the time? And yeah, it's, 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 but then you didn't have a salary cap and then you didn't have other things as well. So, so that has changed. But first game is going to be super important um, because you create pressure on the other team. Obviously, it will also affect that we're, we're playing in Montreal, uh, in Toronto, there will be no home ice. So, so the crowd yeah. won't be in. The, 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 who adjusts to this? We saw that as well in, in the start of the, of the different you know, football leagues that. If the, the players weren't that sure of themselves. The, the players did easy mistakes, rookie mistakes, even Division Two mistakes, and and I I'm, wouldn't be surprised to see that happening in the first round of the playoffs as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because we don't know who's going to be at the top of their game. You know, we assume that Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are going to play like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. We don't know that for sure. We we, we expect that you know either Matt Murray or Tristan Jarry are going to be playing well for the Penguins, but we have seen goaltending drop teams down before teams that were probably better than the team that they were facing. Um, you know, you don't have to look, you know, look at those uh, Ottawa Toronto series back in the, uh, the early two thousands. Uh, there's lots of other examples of teams that have uh, either lost or won because of their goaltending. 
uh, at key times. And you mentioned the best of five. Again, I don't want to, I'm going to bring it down to 2010 again, because that's what we have as a kind of a last run playoff run reference point. If those two first round series were best of five, Montreal loses both of those. They go three one down to Washington. They lost game five to Pittsburgh to go down three two. So you know, in in theory, yes, a best of five series helps the underdog, but uh, it, it doesn't always uh, work work out that way. I mean, you, know, you look at the other way around. Uh, a couple years ago, when when Toronto, um, Toronto, I think had a had a three two lead over Washington, didn't they? Uh, or did they win game six? I don't remember. But but uh, yeah, you know, first to three is a lot different than first to four. Indeed. Th- think about how many. Uh, th- think think about how many underdog teams forced the game seven but didn't win game seven. It's the same with tennis. You know, you got more upsets in, in yes in best out of three yes. sets rather than best out of five sets. It's it's, it's it happens all the time. But but I'm I'm I'm, re- I'm I'm seeing here that the crowd isn't in it and. That might be more beneficial for the underdog team. That's who my thought process. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, I, I I don't usually bet on sports anyway because it's it's a flip of a coin. I you couldn't pay me to bet on the NHL playoffs. You know, like unless I'm putting like five dollars on like uh, a, a big underdog to to win the, the cup or something. I'm not. I'm not betting on hockey at this point. Like no one knows what's going to happen. And if you do know what's going to happen, you're lying. Why should you bet on any sport right now? Considering that we, we don't know, there are so <laughs> there are too many unknowns uh, in, in so many of these sports. Considering how how COVID nineteen yeah. is kind of wrecked havoc on everything, it's not a surefire bet to be no, honest. No, no, no. Unless you get to a point where you're on the day and you see the rosters that are there. <laughs> Even then, maybe I don't. Then again, I'm not a gambler, so I don't. I don't have that itch to to get back in and, and drop some money on. I, I worked in the gambling industry. Uh, I think everyone knows that. And uh, the only thing I bet nowadays is beer <laughs> with a friend. Yeah. And in the end, we yeah, all sure. we, we, we're going to drink it together anyway. So it's a win-win. With everything else that's going on, it's 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 both. It's weird right now because it's the start of it, but it's nice to have some kind of normalcy. Where you can debate whether Dale Weiss deserves to be ahead of Charles Hudal, or you know who's going to back up Carey Price, and you know w- there are so many bigger issues that people have to deal with right now. It's nice to have these conversations again. I remember like a couple of days ago, uh, I was in the midst of a, of a debate of uh, which defenseman was going to end up being uh, was end up going to have their spot between. Uh, Brett Kulak and and Victor Mete, like who's going to have more staying power between the two? That's such a typical Montreal Canadians uh, topic, uh, you know, discussion topic. And I, the early clubhouse leader right now seems to be Victor Mete because we've seen him more than we've seen Brett Kulak. Yeah. But yeah, like I don't really. At the end of the day, in a series against the Pittsburgh Penguins, even if there are those different unknowns, I feel as if until something, until we see something in the series that shows us otherwise, I feel as if debating. Who should be on the fourth line is a bit of a moot point, especially when you consider, again, we don't know if Max Domi is going to be on this team or not. I think he's a huge key for this team going into the playoffs. If you if the team does not have him, that is going to affect them greatly. I, I think people should kind of address that, should, should make more of a big – people should talk about that more versus trying to figure out if Dale Weiss fitting on the fourth line – 
is 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 gonna be a thing because look the playoffs are about uh you know dale weiss is a guy who's played in the playoffs before and he has that veteran leadership and he's a good guy so it wouldn't surprise me to see him get in on some games but i also think uh, in the interest of trying to keep up with the penguins you're going to need some speed as well so it wouldn't surprise me if at different games as well to shake things up claude julian says okay i'm going to put in charles Udon as well or jake evans is going to get more time at right wing or or center or wherever they're going to put him on the fourth line so yeah, all that to say, talking about the fourth line is is a is is very typical Montreal of us to 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 make that a huge thing. Of course, we we made we made Dale Weiss into Dutch Gretzky, right? So of course we're going to make that a big thing. But I think there are a few other issues that are not plaguing, but I think people should kind of focus on a little bit more at the Montreal Canadiens right now. And I think Dale Weiss is the last of those issues. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Galaxy Brain a little bit on Julian right now. Because I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like mic drop because I don't know if we're gonna have enough time to go really into this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna go full, full bore into this. Other than PK Subban in the last six years, who has more memorable playoff goals than Dale Weiss for the Montreal Canadiens? For the Montreal Canadiens or just playoff goals? For the Montreal Canadiens. It's Subban and Weiss. Those are one, two, and I don't even know who's three. Plex? Yeah, he had that one goal. He had that that, that the tying goal against the Rangers. Yeah, in the last six years. Damn, I was I was gonna I was gonna say I was Camilleri, right? <laughs> That's ten years if we're gonna go into into to Michael Camilleri. I guess. Yeah, I, I wanted I wanted to kind of reduce the to, to prove my point. But Max yeah, Patch anyway. ready? Two play had twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen had two uh, uh, postseason runs where he got at least five goals. You tell me to tell me that Mike Patry doesn't have like a game winner in any of those. Do you remember them? Because no. I can remember <laughs> Dale Weiss goals. <laughs> to your point, I can't remember Max Pacioretty goals. But that series again, that that series against the Rangers, where which was an atrocious series, I think it was only Radulov and Lekanen that scored, wasn't it? Rad- Radulov scored the game in like game two or game three. Yeah, the, the only ones I remember from that series were were Placanet's tying goal uh, in the dying seconds. Uh, I, I think it was maybe game three. I think it was game three because they were down 2 nothing, Or maybe it was game two. I don't remember. Anyway, Placanet scored a goal uh, in the dying seconds uh, to send it to overtime. I, and I think then Radulov won it that game. And, and yeah, um, I, remember, I remember Alexei Emelin scoring a goal. In game in game six, what? yeah, he scored a goal in game six on a broken foot, and then they lost and got eliminated anyway. But okay, but all I, that, I do remember that. Well, all that to say, like, okay, fine. You, Dale Weiss says, of all the <laughs> Canadians on the roster right now, and I get what you're trying to do in this instance here. I get it. He has more memorable <laughs> playoff goals than anyone else here uh, on on the roster. But, but like, I mean, that's. That was also like a couple of years. Ago. No, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not yeah, saying I'm not you're saying wrong, Julian. I'm just. I'm just. I mean, just I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. But, but it's just because he did it against the Bruins. That that's that's the fact. Yeah, that was a fact. Yeah, probably forever. But like to expect that he's gonna do. Who's gonna? What's stopping Jordan Wheel from being the playoff hero this year? What's stopping Paul Byron from being that? Yoel Armia, dude, could be uh, in a situation where he has That's the best part about playoff hockey, is that in 2010. We didn't know that Yaroslav Halak was going to become a hero. We didn't know that Dominic Moore was going to become a cult hero. That that's what that's what's exciting about playoff hockey. And regardless of of how you feel about this Montreal team, they weren't built for the playoffs. Uh, again, I'll say it again. 
if they were, Ilya Kovalchuk would be in the lineup. Yeah. Um, Nate Thompson would be in the lineup. They are, they're not built, they were not put together to be a playoff team. And we have to keep that in mind. You know, we can't judge Mark Bergevin on a three-game sweep. He had nothing to do with changing his roster for this series. Let, let's just go throw that out there. But yeah, I think that it's going to be interesting. Obviously, everyone is is looking forward to hockey being back, or at least a lot of people are. Um, we, we all hope that, that Max Domi makes the best decision for himself. We hope that everybody stays safe. Uh, on all the teams, on on everything that that's going on, but yeah, it's the the point. The point I was trying to make is just it, that that's that's the good thing about playoff hockey. And you know what? It, it might be Jordan Wheel. It might be Arturi Lekkinen. You know, there's a reason why we call we we, we have a we we say playoff Lekkinen, right? This is his time to shine. Ba- back to when he was uh, with Frolunda and and like Patrick mentioned that series against the Rangers. Um, he was, he was, I think, one of the only players to get multi points uh, in that series as well as a rookie. So, you know what? Uh, it's it's great to be talking hockey again um, with you guys, and uh, it's nice to see them back on the ice. There's a lot of other things going on, obviously, but uh, at least we have some kind of normalcy going forward. And I hope that you people listening are, are safe and and can agree, and that we bring some kind of comfort. And you know, if you want us to debate. Dale Weiss and Charles Hudal next week on the podcast. Just let us know. Um, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, if that'll if that'll let bring more comfort to you, be on that episode. Let him fight for his boy. It's not fair that we're talking we talk about Dale Weiss. You know, we don't have yeah. uh, the number one Chelsea Don't fan uh, on the podcast. You got to have him out. That, that's very fair. That's very fair. If, if, let's face it. Like we wouldn't even, no one else would have to show up. We could just have Scott do a monologue for first for 45 minutes uh, about Charles at all. Um, Julian, Patrick, thank you so much for, for, for joining me. Um, stay safe and for, for, for everyone listening, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time on Have Some Minded. Stay safe. Stay safe, everyone. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.